0: Tonight I'll be preaching from the book of 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5, and I'll be reading verse 5 and verse number 6. 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 5. The Bible says, Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. Let us pray, Father, we thank you so much for the wonderful privilege we have to approach your throne by way of prayer to find mercy and help in time of need. Lord, we come before you tonight acknowledging that we are a needy people, but you are a God who... You have asked that we come to you knowing that you hear and you answer prayer. And tonight as you speak to us through your word, I pray that you would help each heart to be receptive and that we would not just be hearers of your word but doers as well. And I pray that your word would saturate each and every heart and that we would be strengthened and challenged in our walk with you. I pray for someone here tonight on the sound of my voice who might not know you as personal Lord, and Savior, that tonight will be the night of their salvation, and that you would give me the words you have me to say. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self. Fill me with your precious Holy Spirit, that I may preach what Amen. thus saith the Lord, and will be careful to praise you, and give you honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You will be seated. One of the great offenses and sources of opposition to Christianity comes about when it is declared that Jesus is the only way. For many who are not of the Christian faith, it seems as unreasonable and even arrogant to come to such a conclusion. It's important, however, to understand that Jesus, upon coming to this earth, knew that this would be the natural response to him, even though his coming to the earth was prophesied for centuries. So what he did upon beginning his earthly ministry was to provide evidence to the masses and to the people that he was truly divine that he was from God he was not just another man he sought to authenticate who he was authentication is very important we've been highlighting this aspect throughout the book of first john as John, the apostle, one of Jesus' disciples, seeks to lay out a a case, if you will, that a born-again believer must be authentic, must be distinctive. There must be some evidence uh, that one's claim is truly to be a child of God, It not to just be empty words. And in order to do that, my friend, It's not that we ought to have to try and to make every effort to be authentic. We simply must ensure that we have truly been transformed by God himself on the inside and it will show up on the outside. We must truly be converted. Must be changed. Transformed. And so John addresses the distinctiveness that ought to be seen in those of us who name the name of Christ. And in chapter 5 of 1 John, we see a number of proofs, if you will, evidences of this miraculous change that is brought about by God himself. Understand that your salvation is a supernatural miracle of Almighty God. It's not something that you got up one morning and you decided in your own effort that you are going to now do these things to please God. My friend, true salvation comes about because God did a work in you and did a work in me. So we have observed thus far the first proof of this miraculous transformation is that you have been converted through the Savior. A conversion has taken place by placing one's faith and trust in Jesus Christ. My friend, this conversion can only happen because of faith in one person, Jesus Christ, no other person. Not Buddha, not Mohammed, not Hail Selassie. Listen, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby he must be saved. It's Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And so since belief in the right person is so crucial, John understood that it was important to provide evidence that this person who came to earth who he had the privilege to walk with and to talk with, that that person was the embodiment of none other than the Son of God. And so tonight we're going to notice what he mentions in verse number 6. But keep in mind the fact that John was endeavoring to provide authentication that Jesus is who he said he was. Why? Because understand again that the conversion that comes about in our lives is a result of faith and trust in that specific person. So it means then you can't be wrong. You can't afford to have placed faith in another person because the faith comes about only through one person. So it's kind of like you can't afford to make a mistake. You can't afford that, that somehow, oh, no, no, that's not the right person. No, it has to be one and only one person. That person who has come from Almighty God. And so in verses 1 to 6 thus far, we have uh, really looked in detail at these verses to notice, first of all, just to remind you, that the first proof or evidence of your salvation is that you have demonstrated conversion through Jesus Christ. No other person. And we saw very quickly and briefly that that conversion happens through Jesus Christ is a decision that's personal. You must make it for yourself. It's a divine process. It's effective by Almighty God. There's devotion that's passed. It's, there's definite proof. It's a desirable practice. It brings about dynamic power. And when that takes place, it will produce distinct people. But tonight I want you to notice in verse number six what I call a dual proclamation. A dual proclamation. Now, Look at the continuation from verse 5 and you'll understand why John mentions what he mentions in verse number 6. He says, who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? He has to be the one. And then he proceeds in verse 6 to help the reader to understand that this Jesus, he is the one. He is the Son of God. He endeavors to authenticate that the person who I'm talking about, my friend, this is the one who's been prophesied. This is indeed the Messiah. And he, he does this by giving, again, what I call a dual proclamation. Look at what he says. This is he. Just in case you're doubting that there's another person who's supposed to come later, or there's somebody who has come in the past, he's saying, no, 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 no. This Jesus who I walked with for three and a half years, listen, the one who died on Calvary's cross, that is the Messiah. Amen. I don't want to prove that to you. So he says, this is he that came by water and blood here again. He says, make no mistake, even who? Jesus Christ. John was providing here some evidence, some proof, that the one who I'm presenting to you again, that is he. Now, I want you to understand what it means here tonight by water and blood, because this is very important, and it might not be very obvious what these two aspects that John points out really mean. But I want you to read, see the second part of that verse because John uses this to identify very clearly that Jesus is in fact the one with this dual proclamation. He says, not by water only, but by water and blood. What is John talking about? Now, there are different interpretations of what this really means. And I'm going to share with you what the most predominant belief is when it says water and the blood. And I'll give you, if we have enough time tonight, um, another interpretation that uh, different commentators believe. But water here, first of all, is referring to Jesus' baptism at the beginning of his ministry. And I want you to see a number of verses as to why this is considered uh, the predominant interpretation of this. And then we'll look at what the blood means. Now, if you look at John's Gospel, chapter 1, John's Gospel, chapter 1, and understand as well that the Gospel of John is written by the same writer as 1st John of course And in 1st John not 1st John but the Gospel of John rather chapter 1 You'll understand that Jesus is right at the beginning of his ministry And we know that John the Baptist is the forerunner of Jesus Christ He was the one who would we're letting people know that, prepare the way of the Lord, the Messiah is coming. And he says in verse number 19, and this is the record of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Art thou Elias? He says, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. They said unto him, "Who art thou that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself?" He said, "I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make the straight the way of the Lord as the Lord as said the prophet desires." And they which were sent were of the sect, of the Pharisees, and they asked him and said unto him, "Why baptist, the baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias that prophet? John answered them and saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom he know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latchet I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Betharbor, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. So understand that John is paving the way. He's making it clear to them, I am not the Messiah, but there is one coming who actually is. Now, understand that when Jesus came and began his earthly ministry, that beginning signified the end of the age of the prophets. John would be the last prophet because the prophets were there to foretell of the coming of the Messiah. So, once the Messiah arrives... What else is there for you to prophesy about? You are now no longer needed because your job is over. You have announced uh, that this arrival is coming, and now the person who you are prophesying of is now here. And so this was now the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Now, I want you to turn, keep your place in John chapter 1, but turn as well to Matthew's Gospel chapter 1. Three, because I want us to understand why the baptism of Jesus was so significant and why it would have been what John was referring to in the book of 1 John. Now Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11. Notice what the Bible says. John speaking says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Again, John is making a distinction between the fact that he was baptizing people. Remember, John was baptizing individuals, and the reason why he was baptizing, it was symbolic of them repenting of their sins. So that's why he says, I baptize you with water unto repentance. And so when Jesus was baptized, that's why John asked Jesus, Jesus, why are you asking me to baptize you? It should be the other way around. After all, you are the Messiah. You are without sin. But Jesus said to him, I want you to baptize me. Why? Because I am leaving you an example. But in addition to that, Jesus was also baptized because he was representing us. He was representing, remember, Jesus, the Bible says that he became sin who you knew no sin. So when Jesus was baptized, not that he was a sinner, but he was our representative And so he was, in addition to being an example for you and me, he was also representing us. And that is why he said in verse number 15 of the same chapter of Matthew, Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. So Jesus was being baptized to represent you and me and also to give us an example because the baptism was symbolic of us being washed. But I also want you to understand very importantly, remember I mentioned to you in 1 John, John was using the fact that Jesus came through water and the blood to do what? To authenticate who Jesus was. Now, look at where the authentication took place at Jesus' baptism. Now, in verse number 16, the Bible says, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight out of the water, and look at this. Very careful. Pay attention. This is authentication of who Jesus is. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This was a very, very significant moment in Jesus' earthly ministry. Understand that Jesus coming to the earth, to the average person, to each person who he's coming into contact with, he's just a normal man like everybody else. But when he submits to John's baptism, the Bible says, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom am I well pleased. That's authentication. Authentication. That's God giving his smile of approval that, listen, I know you might, he might look like a, a normal man, but listen, this is indeed who? The Messiah. That's critical. That's vital. So turn back with me to First John chapter 5. So when John says in verse number 6, This is he that came by water. He was referring to what took place at John's baptism. Hey, remember when Jesus was baptized that there was authentication from heaven declaring that this man, Jesus Christ, is who? The Messiah. Now, he goes on to say, this is he that came by water but not by water only he says water and what blood now remember john was baptizing people right john was baptizing different people he was encouraging them show forth fruit meat for repentance so john says listen this was only not only through water but this was through water and what? Blood. Now, understand very clearly that Jesus' earthly ministry began with the baptism, but the ultimate conclusion of why he came was concluded with his work on Calvary's cross. Now, of course, he was resurrected to demonstrate his authority over sin and death. But understand that when Jesus went to the cross, his blood being shed on Calvary's cross also was a very important moment in his ministry. And that shedding of his blood also made him distinctive and demonstrated his authenticity. Now, that's why John says it's not just water only, but it is water and blood. Now let's look at a few verses very quickly to understand the significance of the blood. Matthew's Gospel chapter 20 and verse number 28. The Bible says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to do what? To give his life a ransom for many. Jesus gave up his life, shed his blood. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 28 says, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which... The Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own, what? Blood. The fact that Jesus came to this earth and shed his blood on Calvary's cross is a defining sign and signal of his position as the Messiah. But I want you to notice very interestingly some things that took place at the crucifixion of Jesus that also authenticated who he was, that John was drawing reference to. Now, look at Matthew chapter 27, and I know I've been giving you a lot of verses, I'm kind of like a little sewer drill tonight, but Matthew chapter 27 and verse 45. I want you to notice what took place and keep in mind, as we are referring, referring to these verses, keep in mind that there might have been many doubters as to, who is this man? Remember oftentimes they said, who is this? Isn't this the son of Joseph and Mary? Are we not like with his brothers and sisters? But look at Matthew chapter 27 and verse 45. The Bible says now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. This is a very unusual phenomenon. Darkness in the middle of the day. There was no announcement of any solar eclipse. And the sixth hour, by the way, here was midday. In the middle of the day, until the ninth hour, so from midday until 3 p.m., total darkness, unexplainable. But here's something else very significant that took place. And jot down to verse number 50. The Bible says, "Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, and behold, look at this, the veil." of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. You say, what's the big deal? Understand that in the temple, from the time the tabernacle was constructed, there was a separation between the holy of holies and the outer court where even only the priests could go in. And this inner sanctuary housed the Ark of the Covenant. And the only person who could go in there was the high priest. Now this was so serious. and Such a serious event. The priest had to, high priest had to ensure that he was right with God. He was doing right. He didn't harbor any sin because when he went in there, listen, if he wasn't right, God would just strike him down. And as such, they had to put a rope on his foot. Just in case he played the fool. And they didn't hear any moving around in there. That didn't excuse you to go in there and take him out. You had to pull him out with the rope. That's how serious this thing was. So when Jesus died on Calvary's cross. Signifying that he was now the great high priest. And there was no need for the high priest like Aaron and those who were of the Levitical tribe to now go to that that because Jesus had given his blood on the mercy seat and Jesus God was the father was now appeased. That listen, there was no need for this division in the temple. Listen, the thing was miraculously torn from top to bottom without human hands. That was authentication that the blood of Jesus has completely washed away all sin. And now we can go boldly before the throne of grace to find mercy and help in time of need. My friend, if that's not authentication that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, he's the one and only Messiah, listen, I don't know what else is, and if you're waiting for something else, you're going to wait for all eternity. Because he is the one and only Messiah. Bible says, and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints slept, which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now look at what this centurion, one who participated in crucifying Jesus in verse 54, Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly saying, truly, this was the Son of God. My friend, that is authentication. Authentication. So when John says in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 6 he says this is the one he that came by water and blood even Jesus Christ Not by water only, but by water and blood. He was saying, listen, the conversion that I'm telling you about can only come through one person. And just in case you are doubting, there was some solid authentication. When he was baptized with water, if you recall, there was a voice from heaven. Clearly, for all to hear, this is he. That's my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And when he shed his blood on Calvary's cross, the circumstances surrounding his death prove beyond any shadow of a doubt that this is the Messiah. Put your faith and trust in him and him alone. He came by water, And he came by the blood. Listen, don't let anybody cause you to doubt the authenticity of who Jesus is. Oh, it's a white man's religion. Oh, oh, they they, did this. Listen, Jesus is the Messiah. And he came for white, black, yellow, green, purple, any color, he came and he'll save any person. When you understand the manner in which Jesus died, this is in John chapter 10, verse 17. Therefore that my father loved me because I laid down my life that I might take it again. Listen, Jesus gave up his life. They didn't have to come with chains and shackles and handcuffs. He says, listen, I will say all the time you didn't bother me. Listen, let's just let's just let's just take a stroll to where you want to take me. No man taketh it from me, but I lay down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. He voluntarily gave up his life. The manner in which he died and which he submitted and surrendered to the will of the Father was further proof of his divinity. And I trust tonight that your faith is strengthened. Don't let anybody intimidate you in your belief in Jesus Christ. Jesus authenticated who he was. And with all of the prophecies throughout history from the, from the Garden of Eden up until he came, all those prophecies pointed to one person. And those prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That is why neither is there salvation in any other, no other name given among men. Whereby you must be saved. And my friend, without apology, if you fail to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. That's why Hebrews says, There remaineth no more sacrifice. That's it. No other. There is no other remedy for sin, there is no other solution. It is found in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ when he shed his blood on Calvary's cross. And I trust tonight that you are truly born again because you've placed your faith in the solution that was provided on Calvary's cross. Not your good works, not church membership. Not being a nice person, but placing your faith and trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross because that was the only solution to take care of man's sin. Thank God for Jesus and I trust tonight that you understand that he is indeed the Messiah. He's God the Son. He's the Son of God. He is 100% God and 100% man. He is indeed the God man.